Hey everyone, it's MSNBC's Chris Hayes. For the first time since 1892, we have an election in which both candidates have presidential records. It's a chance to take a hard look at what Joe Biden and Donald Trump have actually done as president. On a special Why Is This Happening podcast series called With Pod 2024 The Stakes, I'm talking to experts about the two candidates' records on specific policy areas like immigration, taxes, climate, and more. So you know what's at stake come November. Search for Why Is This Happening and follow. Tonight on The Readout. We've only followed where the information has taken us. But, Hannity, this is rising to the level of impeachment inquiry. House Republicans' revenge and retribution agenda kicks into high gear with a new obsession to impeach President Biden for an offense to be named later. Plus, Rudy Giuliani admits to lying about two Georgia election workers, lies that turned their worlds upside down and put their lives at risk. The lawyer for those women joins me tonight. And pro-choice supporters get enough signatures to put reproductive rights on the ballot in Ohio. Polls show it has the backing of a clear majority of voters. But if Republicans get their way, that may not matter. And we begin tonight with the two portrayals of Donald Trump. The first is the image he wants everyone to believe is the real Trump, exemplified by his rather embarrassing digital trading card venture, where he presented himself as a cowboy, a rock star, and an actual superhero. It's the one his most ardent base ardently believes in. It's the one that earned him a literal cult. But the second image is revealing itself more and more as Trump responds to his multiple indictments. It's the one where he's not the great and powerful whiz who lives in Oz, but rather the man hiding behind the curtain who is terrified and desperate. Richard Pryor killed that role, by the way. Best movie ever. But the point is, Trump has always been able to use his bravado and showmanship to avoid repercussions for his actions. But now, at age 77, he's facing a situation that he cannot talk his way out of with no powerful dad to bail him out and no Roy Cohn to fix his legal peril. And according to people who know him, Donald Trump is afraid that he could actually wind up in prison like his Oath Keepers and Proud Boys supporters. Perhaps orange jumpsuit Trump might be a more apt addition to the next series of his digital trading cards. And with nowhere else to turn, he's now relying on his loyal followers in Congress, like Speaker Mike Kevin to somehow save him. Congress, if you will, please investigate the political witch hunts against me currently being brought by the corrupt DOJ and FBI who are totally out of control. Under McCarthy's leadership, they may try, but it will do Trump no good as he faces Jack Smith's multiple investigations, plus those current and possible prosecutions in New York and Georgia. The the trouble for Trump is that all of his wild claims about a stolen election, which never turned up a single shred of evidence, continue to fall apart to this day. The latest example comes from the ringleader of his post-election so-called elite strike team of lawyers, Rudy Giuliani. In a court filing yesterday, Giuliani conceded to making false statements about two Georgia election workers he publicized to the world as having committed election fraud, reportedly calling them at one point ballot-stuffing criminal conspirators. Ruby Freeman and her daughter, Shea Moss, were anything but that.
they were simply two dedicated election workers performing their civic duty in the 2020 presidential election. But because of Giuliani and Trump, they faced harassment and violent threats. Ms. Freeman had to temporarily abandon her home for her own safety. And now they are suing Rudy Giuliani over his baseless claims about them. Perhaps Rudy's actions should not be all that surprising, given that he admitted under oath in 2021 that he made no effort to verify some of the claims that he was hawking. Now, I should also note that in the same court filing yesterday, Giuliani doesn't concede to any damages based on his false claims. And his lawyer seemed to suggest that it was merely a legal maneuver to try to get beyond the fact-gathering stage and into the legal fight. Of course, it didn't matter to Trump or Giuliani that using Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss as pawns would unleash Trump's extreme mega cult members on them. This turned my life upside down. Um, I no longer give out my business card. I don't transfer calls. I um, don't want anyone knowing my name. I don't want to go anywhere with my mom because she might yell my name out over the grocery aisle or something. There is nowhere I feel safe. Nowhere. Do you know how it feels to have the president of the United States to target you? The president of the United States is supposed to represent every American. Not to target one. It's one of the worst things that we heard during the January 6th hearings. And at no point have we seen any remorse or contrition from Trump for putting these women and countless others through hell simply because he could not accept that he lost an election. He was perfectly okay with portraying people as someone that they're not, putting them at risk and making them live in fear. Well, now he's the one living in fear. I'm joined now by Vaughn DuBose, the attorney currently representing Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss. Um, thank you for being here, Mr. DuBose. I want to start uh, just by clarifying, you representing them now. Um, were you in touch with them at the time that they were giving testimony to the January 6th committee? Oh, okay, you're absolutely, muted. Absolutely, I'm sorry. Oh, there you are. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I was representing them then. I've been with Ruby and Shea from the beginning from the time the FBI informed Ruby that she needs to leave her residence, that that it was no longer safe there. So I was there working with her to secure her, to get her in a, in a safe place. And then once we accomplished that, we moved on to the next phase of trying to address what's happened to him. And, and you know, watching that, that testimony. Honestly, I was tearful watching it because these are just the exact kind of people we want uh, in our country, people who do their civic duty, who who, who work in repeated elections, trying to make sure that their community can vote. They're the familiar ladies. You know, Ms. Freeman reminds me of the ladies where I uh, always would vote in New York. They know you every year. They say, hey, there you are again, honey. You know, they call you baby and they they make sure you can vote. (laughs) Seeing them, you know, sort of broken down the way that they were and how how hurt they were how are they doing now? It's heartbreaking um, to see that, right? Because of the familiarity you just mentioned with the type of people they are, the type of people you see just going about their business, doing their job, not asking for anything extra. They're just good Atlanta folks who have been serving this community for a long time. Um, As to how they're doing right now, they are, you know, some days are better than others. 
um, they still are afraid to walk out in the public. They're still concerned about hearing their name called in public. They're still looking over their shoulders. So they're doing the best they can. They're continuing to fight. Um, you know, the great thing about Ruby and Shay is when faced with what they had to deal with in this situation, they could have cowered and gone away. They chose to fight. And that's what they're doing right now. Let me play. Uh, they are suing now Rudy Giuliani, as I mentioned. Here is just so if those can remember some of the things he was saying at the time. Tape earlier in the day of Ruby Freeman and Shay Freeman Morris and one other gentleman quite obviously surreptitiously passing around USB ports as if they're vials of heroin or cocaine. I mean, it's, it's, it's obvious to anyone who's a criminal investigator or prosecutor, they are engaged in surreptitious illegal activity. And, and that was not true, obviously. But, but talking about them um, passing USB ports as if they are vials of heroin and cocaine, trying to make them sound like drug dealers. At one point, Kanye West's publicist was pressuring Ms. Freeman and saying, oh, if you just admit to crimes, you can avoid charges and pretending like they were the law. It, it is shocking to me how much pressure was put on these women for having done nothing but work in an election. Um, they are suing, obviously, Rudy Giuliani. Is there anyone else that they've considered naming in this lawsuit? There are some um, some John Doe's in this lawsuit. Uh, as the case progresses, we'll certainly consider whether or not we need to fill in any of those John Doe's with actual parties. So uh, as of right now, Giuliani is the only defendant, but we're certainly monitoring as we pro progress whether or not we need to substitute in any individuals, companies, what have you, for these John Doe defendants that we've named. And are you able to tell us whether or not uh, Fonnie Willis's office has been in touch um, with these two ladies um, about her investigation? Because obviously all of the events that took place in Georgia that Donald Trump perpetrated and his team, um, they were about election fraud, uh, real election fraud. In other words, trying to steal the election in Georgia. Has she, have they been contacted? Sure. They, they've cooperated throughout from the time they started until law enforcement first started to get involved and investigate everything that was alleged to have occurred, occurred at the um, at the State Farm Arena. And you saw them co cooperate with the January 6th committee, and they intend on cooperating with whatever law enforcement agency wants to talk with them. Uh, they're, they're going to do that continually, and they're committed to doing that. Uh, Von DuBose, please uh, let uh, Ms. Freeman and Ms. Moss know they have a home here on the readout anytime. Uh, and uh, we are big fans of civic duty and of people who participate in elections. I, you know, I'm a voting enthusiast, so they're heroines to me. So tell them that they got a lot of love here. Thank you so much, Mr. DuBose, for coming on. I absolutely will. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, let me turn now to David K. Johnson, founder of DCReport.org. And you heard that, um, David. It, it, the fact that Donald Trump was willing to put two innocent women at, at risk of being harmed, they had to move out of their home for their own safety. He knows what his supporters are like. He tells them to be violent. He encourages them to be violent. What do you make of the fact that he was so—he had no problem with it, he and Giuliani, with putting their lives at risk? That's just him, right? Yeah, Donald, who I've known for more than 35 years now, does not have a conscience. He only thinks of others in terms of them as objects, not human beings. So this kind of behavior by Donald is uh, very understandable. It's not appropriate, but absolutely understandable. It's the way he's acted his entire life.
And yet, John Kelly, his former chief of staff, who's no, you know, Prince himself, I mean, he did insult a African-American member of Congress saying she was what all had no cattle for criticizing Trump. So he was all in with Trump at the time. But now he's telling tales. He says Trump is scared S-less about going to prison. That's his take. What is yours? Oh, I absolutely agree. And you can see in the emails and the blasts he does via Truth Social how his anxiety is growing. He is not sleeping well at night. If Donald really believed that he is uh, completely innocent and has done nothing wrong and that the Presidential Records Act exonerates him on everything, he should be the one pressing for a speedy trial. Hey, let me get in front of a jury and they're going to obviously acquit me. And and he knows that he's not going to be acquitted. Uh, The best he can hope for is a hung jury. Um, let's talk a little bit. So Mark Meadows, um, here's Mark Meadows, who, who is one of the people who is considered a potential star witness if he was to uh, testify for the prosecution. This is what he said recently when he was asked about the Jack Smith investigation. You know, I don't talk about anything J6 related. And he said that this morning. But here's what Chris Christie is, a former federal prosecutor, obviously former governor of New Jersey of bridge closing fame, but he's also now running for president against Donald Trump. This is what Chris Christie had to say about Mr. Meadows. What I will say in watching that video is that looks to me like somebody who's cooperating with the federal government. And the witness is told as they leave, you don't have to answer any questions or talk about it, but you are free to do so if you like. The only time you can't do it is when the government has a cooperation agreement with you and they say, no talking about this. The only time we want to hear you talking is when you're on the witness stand. And that to me, Mark Meadows looks to me like a federal witness under a cooperation agreement. And I, my guess is that's what we're going to find out he is. If Trump really is scared ishless, is it because he probably understands that Mark Meadows, to save himself, will probably turn on him? Yeah, there's probably no one who's a bigger threat to Donald in all of this than his chief of staff, Mark Meadows. And uh, Chris Christie's analysis is exactly right. Normally, after you've testified in a grand jury, I've had to do that. You're free to go talk unless you have reached some kind of agreement and turned state's evidence. And so I think it's reasonable to assume at this point that Mark Meadows, in all likelihood, has turned state's evidence. And that's very bad for Donald Trump. Uh, if there is a second federal indictment over his failed effort to overthrow our government. And the thing is, is that Donald Trump, we've talked about this a lot over the years, he demands one-way loyalty. You have to be loyal to him. He's not loyal to you. In this case, it does feel like that's cracking. The people who seem super loyal, people like Giuliani and others, they're going to face some real tests here. Are you willing to go to prison for this guy, as multiple Oath Keepers and Proud Boys have done? Increasingly, it looks like the answer to that is particularly after Michael Cohen, what he's been through at Trump's hands, the answer is no. Right. And one of the things we don't know is how many people will still have exposure for crimes they've committed. And let's remember, we've had two attorney generals in the past go to prison. Being in high office does not protect you per se, uh, because the system is, well, far from perfect, uh, does in many ways what it's supposed to do. And so I'm sure there are people out there worried that they are, will be be the target of a grand jury if they're not already, and uh, that many of those people are not going to go to prison, particularly after they've seen the sentences handed out against the you know clown show insurrection on January 6th. 
Uh, and we will be watching that because that uh, conclusion could come at any day now. David K. Johnson, thank you very much. Up next on The Readout, House Republicans succumb to impeachment frenzy, demanding that President Biden be impeached for something or other. They're just not sure what. But whatever he did was really, really terrible, and he must be punished. The Readout continues after this. Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control our bodies and get the health care we need has been stolen from us. And now, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, we can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. The same week Donald Trump is anticipating a third indictment, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is conveniently saying he's moving toward an impeachment inquiry into President Biden over the financial dealings of his son, Hunter. I know that sounds dumb. Since Republicans have no actual evidence President Biden has actually done anything wrong or that he and his son are even in business together or that Hunter Biden has committed offenses besides the actual tax charges he's facing, which like, hello, Donald Trump, and his attempts to get a gun permit without disclosing his substance abuse, which you'd think would make him a hero to the gun fetish crowd. But of course, none of that matters to Kevin McCarthy, who will do anything, crawl on his belly, do a headstand at Mar-a-Lago while Marjorie Taylor Greene throws peanuts at him, whatever it takes to appease Trump and the MAGA extremists who actually run the Republican caucus. I mean, at this point, Green and Lauren Boebert, perhaps the two most embarrassing members of the House, have actually had a screaming match on the House floor over who gets to file articles of impeachment against Biden first. Not to mention indicted Congressman George Anthony Devalder Guitara Revash Santos, who yesterday tweeted, impeach Biden now, because, you know, yeah. But what this really tells us is that Trump's de facto legal team, a.k.a. the House Republican Caucus, is running out of ways to defend him. They've already tried gaslighting the country into thinking he's never done anything illegal and that January 6th wasn't really an insurrection. They've blamed Trump's self-imposed legal troubles on the weaponization of the DOJ. And now they're moving on to Plan C. Since there is no way to actually defend Trump's actions based on facts, their only salvation here is to muddy the waters. If everybody does it, then Trump can't be that bad, right? Basically what they did to Hillary Clinton in 2016. Make both frontrunners seem like they're equally corrupt. That way you feel less guilty supporting the one who actually committed crimes. Joining me now is Congressman Eric Swalwell of California, 2021 impeachment manager, and members of the, of the Judiciary, Intelligence, and Homeland Security Committees. And I mean, that's it, right? I mean, the idea is if you just make Biden seem as bad as Trump, then people can happily vote for Trump. They're completely bankrupt of any ideas. So yes, they're just moving around between chiding people over the pronouns, showing non-consensual nudes of Hunter Biden, trying to figure out who they want to impeach. I mean, Kevin McCarthy, the way I see it, is running a law firm. Yeah. I have one client. Yeah. It's Donald Trump. He's not in charge. The most responsibility McCarthy's ever been given is to sort the starbursts. 
for Donald Trump. <laughs> that's, what he's, that's what he's done. He did. And he, he brags did about it. I mean, the thing about it that, that is so wild, and we talked about this on our morning meeting this morning, it, it, they were five-seat majority. That means it's Nancy very Pelosi close. had a five-seat majority. She we didn't did, see but, any of this, right? But he ain't yeah. Nancy Pelosi. Yeah. Like, Nancy Pelosi's a yeah. boss. Like, yeah. Nancy Pelosi knows what she's yeah. doing, right? That's right? This is a different guy. And his majority now depends on how New York gets redistricted, right, which is going to change, and how that Alabama lawsuit plays out, because he's calling Alabama and saying, hey, don't let me lose my majority. So he doesn't. he knows he can't necessarily hold it, and he's not that competent. But telling people to vote on impeachment for nothing, for Hunter Biden being related to you, right? That puts his more vulnerable members who won in districts that Biden won in jeopardy. Like he's, isn't he jeopardy? You're a politician. Isn't he jeopardizing his own majority? Yeah. They're a chaos caucus now. And he's asking them to vote for more and more chaos. And it gives us, I think, a nice frame if we take it and we do it to say, you know what? We're the competence caucus. Look at Philadelphia. I-95 collapsed. Everyone said it was going to take a year to get done. That's it. Two weeks. We got that done. So you guys can focus on the chaos We'll deliver competence. And if we keep doing that, I think competence wins. It's a a good point that you make because there is this kind of it's working on one level. There is a poll right now that shows 43 percent of people believe Hunter Biden did something illegal. I mean, if he didn't pay his taxes, he he did. Donald Trump did something illegal is only two points higher than that. You can see it on the screen. Forty five percent. Same poll. Thirty six percent said Joe Biden did something illegal when it comes to his son's business dealings because it's muddy. And so on the one hand, it works because it does muddy everyone up. Right. Do our Democrats or is a DCCC concerned that the mess is actually going to eventually hurt Biden, too? If we play on our side of the field, it's going to hurt. Biden. That's why I really want us to be on offense as much as possible. I call it the 3D approach, which is every hearing we discredit them. We defend where necessary, but we don't have to like defend everything because then you can't tell the difference between both uh, sides. And then third, always, always, always pivot to what we will deliver. So today we had Mayorkas, Homeland Security and Judiciary started by discrediting Jordan. You know, really rich that you're having him here when you haven't followed a subpoena for 500 days. Defend the nonsense over open borders when border crossings are at an all time low. Pivot to what we would deliver in the majority comprehensive immigration reform. I think that formula works for the Biden administration if yeah. we do it right. Yeah, and we have to come back to the, on this show to the really offensive questioning of Mayorkas, you know, and sort of making him sound almost like a drug dealer. Like, it, that, that was really offensive. But also, you all are on offense. I want to play an ad that we actually were going to debut last week, but there were so many other things happening, we didn't play it, because there is a going-on-offense piece to this as well. Let me play this ad, because it does make the point that Republicans really are fixated on stuff nobody cares about. I don't think anyone, other than the three million, you know, some odd people who watch Fox News, is good number. That's right. But that ain't, you know, they're 227 million adults. They don't all even know who Hunter Biden is. That's right. But here's an ad that uh, I guess you're behind. Let's sure. take a look. MAGA Republicans in Congress and across the country are so obsessed with transgender Americans that they're proposing laws that would effectively create on-demand gender inspections of children. It sounds crazy, right? But on-demand gender checks will be the law of the land if we don't stop it. They're your kids. You want them safe, especially at school. It it, it is mind-blowing to me. I think we did the numbers are like maybe 77,000 trans athletes in high schools in the whole country and of 327 million people. I can't imagine how many people are sitting around worrying about, can I get my gym teacher to 
take the pants down of the kids and check their genitals. It's crazy to me that that's what they're doing, but it is. It's not what parents are worried about. Uh, and I'll tell you what, they're worried about their kids being safe in their schools from gun shot. violence. Yeah. Uh, but I, I finally decided on this issue, Republicans, MAGA Republicans are not interested in the merits. So let's impose a creep cost. If the logical extension of what you want to do with trans kids is to do an on-demand gender check, that's we're going to call you a creep. And, yeah. and you should be called a creep and you should have to defend it. And that, again, goes to playing on their side of the field because this is their obsession. It's not ours. You you told us on, the, on their last time you were on about your parents being um, Republicans. Yeah. My father was very Reaganite. Um, he was he's not an American. But he was very much a Reagan guy. I do not remember in the ideology the idea. I mean, they seem to want to crawl into the beds of every woman in America to make sure that you are getting pregnant and having babies for the for the for the for the country. Um, they want to crawl into the gym locker, the gym, you know, the gyms of every elementary school kid and inspect them to make sure that they're a boy or a girl. It they want to go into the library. They want to go library. in the library and pull books out and look at what you're reading. This is the opposite of a freedom agenda. What happened to Republicans being like sort of libertarian about leaving you alone? And it gives us a chance to own freedom, right? The freedom to vote, the freedom for your kids to be safe, the freedom to read, the freedom to make your own yeah. healthcare decisions. We should own freedom. And Biden, in his launch video, uh, he really keyed in on that. Freedom and democracy. Like, we actually want the freedom to vote, not That's the free, right. right? We don't want you telling our kids what to read or, what, or or to define their gender for them. We're the mom and dad. We can do that. I, I do want to give you an opportunity because something did happen that was kind of disturbing, very disturbing today. Mitch McConnell, um, he seemed to sort of freeze um, while he was yeah. about to speak. Um, it, it, we don't know for sure what happened, but obviously it's a medical issue. Um, and I just want to give you a chance to comment. Have you heard anything about that on the Hill? What's going on there? I, I talked to reporters who were watching it. Uh, it was hard for them to watch. It was hard for me to watch. Uh, look, politics aside, this is uh, you don't want to see this happen to anyone. So I, I hope he gets better. And, and I wish for him, you know, a decent response from everyone uh, that we did not get from MAGA when Paul Pelosi was attacked or anytime yeah. Joe Biden, uh, you know, has a stumble. Uh, so I mean, this right. is the time to be decent uh, and put the politics aside. It, it, it is a difference between the parties, right? I, I right. think that you, no one I know wishes him other than well. That's right. And I, we would hope that one day Republicans will do the same for Democrats. That's right. Um, because it's it, in the end of the day, we're all human beings. Exactly. And, and you're a good one. Thank together. you very much. Yep. Thank you, Congressman. Congressman Eric Swalwell, appreciate it. Up next on the readout, abortion access is officially on the ballot in Ohio. But of course, Republicans are doing everything they possibly can to block it. More on that when we come back. Hi, I'm Jonathan Capehart, and I'm excited to share some great news. Both The Saturday Show and The Sunday Show are available as a podcast. Every weekend, I look forward to bringing you the most important political news and the newsmakers who are creating policies that affect your life. For me, it's all about the conversation. That's when news is revealed and understanding begins. Search for Saturdays and Sundays with Jonathan Capehart and follow. Stay up to date on the biggest issues of the day with the MSNBC Daily Newsletter. Each morning, you'll get analysis by experts you trust, video highlights from your favorite shows. 2024 is now truly the most important election in the history of our country. Previews of our podcasts and documentaries, plus written perspectives from the newsmakers themselves, all sent directly to your inbox each morning. Get the best of MSNBC all in one place. Sign up for MSNBC Daily at MSNBC.com. 
Donald Trump's looming indictment is currently the, the din and the noise that we're all kind of swimming in in the news business right now. But if you want to see what the average American is really focused on, look no further than Ohio, where people have now overwhelmingly approved getting abortion rights on the ballot in November. The campaign backing a constitutional amendment to protect abortion rights submitted enough valid signatures on Tuesday to qualify for the November 7 ballot. And it's pretty clear why they were successful. When you look at a recent Suffolk University poll, the majority of Ohioans support the amendment, 58% to 32%, and 68% of independents overwhelmingly support the amendment. Now, while this is great news for Ohio women, it's far from a done deal. Republican lawmakers have set a special election for August 8th, when voters will get to decide if they want to raise the threshold for statewide citizen-led initiatives like this one, from a simple majority plus one to a 60% requirement. Now, just in case you missed what I said a little bit earlier, please notice that support for abortion is just shy of that 60% threshold. It's not a coincidence that Republicans want to put citizen-led initiatives just out of reach for the people they rule over. But it is a reminder of how a majority, of how a minority party tries to subjugate the will of the majority. But the people of Ohio were not fooled by the Republicans' tactics. 57% oppose raising the threshold. I'm joined now by Kelly Copeland, board member of Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights. Ms. Copeland, thank you for being here. So we know that there is a clear majority to keep the threshold at 50. However, August 8th is in the middle of the summer when a lot of people are traveling, when a lot of people aren't paying attention to elections. Are you confident that there will be enough turnout to ensure that the 50 percent threshold remains in effect? Absolutely. Um, you did the math and you, there's no coincidence here. Um, the the extremist politicians in Columbus, you know, they looked at the same numbers that you just mentioned and they said, hey, we don't think we can win. So we're going to play a dirty trick and we're going to try to hold a special election when people are on vacation, when we think they're not paying attention. So we can take away their right both to have a say directly in what's on our constitution in the future, but also to have a say in our reproductive rights and our healthcare decisions. So that's why Ohio is on the front lines in the fight for abortion rights in America. And frankly, that's why I'm so proud of the work that this coalition, the Ohioans United for Reproductive Rights has done. I mean, the patient advocates, the civil rights leaders, the abortion providers, and doctors from all sorts of specialties and everyday citizens really came together over these last three months to get over 700,000 signatures to protect our freedom so that people don't have to go back to where we were last year where we had Ohioans who were basically medical refugees having to seek care outside of Ohio. And, you know, that's, you know, I just couldn't be prouder of our coalition. And, you know, I just have to put out a, a call that I know people all over the country are asking how they can get involved and, you know, join us at abortionaccessohio.com. Um, we can put you to work. Text banks, phone banks, we're, we're doing all of the things. And, you know, even a $5 donation helps because, you know, as you mentioned, our opponents are up to it. 
They, yeah. They're literally launching millions of dollars of ads against us. And we have two elections to win, August 8th and November 7th. So, And, and, and the thing is, you know, you just cited the name of your organization that, that says what it is, you know, Ohio's for Abortion Rights. Yeah. Um, and I will note that abortion is still tw- legal at 22 weeks because the six-week ban is currently in yes. court. But I do want to play the yes. ads from both of the two sides here. The other side, they... Sort of, they, they sort of mush their name up in something that isn't what it says mm-hmm. it is. They're calling themselves Protect Women of Ohio. That's the anti-abortion group. And so they're sort of changing the name. And they're trying to launder together abortion rights and the transgender issue and the issue of people who need trans yeah. care and put them together. Let me play their ad. A little of it. These special interest groups want to allow minors to get sex changes without parental consent. Urge says parental consent laws are unethical and need to be abolished. The ACLU, they're against informing parents about their kids transitioning at school. To save parental rights in Ohio, vote yes on issue one on August 8th. And I want to just note for our audience, this group called Protect Women Ohio, this is a $5 million campaign uh, ad that they're running. And they are a coalition of organizations, including Ohio Right to Life, the Center for Christian Virtue, and the Right to Life Action Coalition of Ohio. And there's nothing in the amendment, I want to note, that mentions or supersedes Ohio's parental consent law. So what's in the ad isn't true. So I need to say that since we played this ad on our air. What do you make of this sort of obfuscation uh, and disinformation that they're using to try to get people to use the trans issue as a way to give up their own right to abortion? I mean, it's clear that our opponents know that they're losing. They've had 50 years to convince people of their extremist anti-abortion agenda, and they've failed. And, you know, they know that if we talk about the issue at hand, what the amendment actually does, they'll lose. So what do you do when you're unscrupulous and you're losing an argument? You change the topic. You, you, you create, you know, a false boogeyman. You, you know, you do anything to get people off of the truth. And that's why, you know, our opposition, I mean, they're spreading this inf- misinformation, but Ohioans are smart. Um, they're not going to fall for this. And that's why our campaign is really confident that if we continue to talk about what the amendment does and what it would stop, it would stop what happened for 82 days last year when Ohioans had to flee the state, when people were scared to be pregnant in Ohio because they couldn't get the care that they needed, when people were scared of what yeah. would happen to them and their daughters and their families and their non-binary and their trans friends. Like, they were scared. It was yeah. terrifying. I remember seeing those faces That's what this amendment is about, making sure that we don't have to go back to that. It's not about all these things that they're trying to change the topic to. And by the way, if you have a trans kid, they're saying that the the Republicans in the Ohio legislature should get to decide what happens with your kid, not you. Parental consent means that if you have a trans kid and you want to decide what their medical care is going to be, you should get to decide that. They're trying to say that not only for women, but for trans children, they get to decide what happens to your kid, just like they get to decide what you can read, what you can do. Yep. This total control over other people's bodies is wild. Uh, Kelly Copeland, thank you so much for being here. Um, best of luck. We'll be following uh, what happens with the August 8th vote as well as the one in November. Thank you very much. Appreciate you. Thank you. And coming up, uh, help me out here. When you're forced to lay off a third of your presidential campaign staff, is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a bad thing, right? I think it's a bad thing. We'll be right back. The state of Florida is in hot water. 
literally. On Monday, water temperatures in the bays between the mainland and the Florida Keys registered at a whopping 101.1 degrees Fahrenheit, which was on the heels of a 102 degree temperature on Sunday. Now, just for perspective, the average hot tub temperature in a hot tub is 100 to 102 degrees. The federal agency that tracks this stuff, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Agency, has warned those temperatures could mean trouble as we head into hurricane season, with the warm waters set to bring supercharged hurricanes. Meanwhile, farmers' insurance is leaving the state, forcing thousands of people to change their insurance provider. It's the fourth company to pull out of the market based on risk exposure in the hurricane-prone state. Florida is also facing a different type of heat. It is now America's inflation hotspot, with rates skyrocketing, despite inflation rapidly cooling in the 49 other states. Its agricultural and construction industries are facing labor shortages, too, due to the inhumane immigration law Governor Ron DeSantis pushed that cracks down on the very migrant labor that helps his state prosper. But there is this trend with Republican leaders. They tend to go AWOL when their states are suffering. And DeSantis is the latest example. He is not focused on these disasters. He's focused on the disaster of his presidential campaign. His paid campaign staff has been slashed by more than a third. That includes a staffer who, over the weekend, promoted an online video that superimposed Nazi imagery over DeSantis' face. Good times. Joining me now is Juanita Tolliver, MSNBC political analyst and host of the What A Day podcast on Crooked Media. What a day indeed, Juanita. You know, I got to say, DeSantis has got to be the unluckiest SOB in the world. Who would have, I mean, how unlucky do you have to be to have to fire the guy for promoting the Nazi imagery, for also having to uh, let the guy resign in 2018, Michael Ertel, who you actually made your secretary of state. The following year, Ertel resigned after a picture emerged of him in blackface, wearing a T-shirt that read Katrina victim. He appeared to be mocking uh, black women in particular because he wore fake breasts, a scarf wrapped around his head and large gold earrings, which is probably illegal now in Florida because they're their anti-trans hysteria and anti-drag queen stuff. Then you've got in September of 2022, he appointed another guy uh, to the county commission who had to resign after an alleged photo of him wearing a Ku Klux Klan mm. uniform. Uh, he's a Gadsden County commissioner named Jeff Moore. Um, neither nor Moore nor DeSantis has confirmed that that is Moore, in fact, in the picture wearing the Ku Klux Klan outfit. But how unlucky is he? What's going on with DeSantis? I mean, it tracks, right? When someone promotes in a hateful agenda full of attacks on black and brown people, full of attacks on LGBTQ people, women and immigrants, it's no surprise that people who support white nationalism and white supremacy flock to him, right? Like this is at multiple levels of government. And when we, th when we think about that staffer, this wasn't some lonely staffer. This was someone who literally provided DeSantis with his script when going on the campaign trail. He was a speechwriter. So to know that DeSantis only hires the best and brightest, right, Joy? <laughs> this is the type of people who he surrounds himself with, who feel comfortable with him. And only when they go public with their ridiculousness, whether it's a Ku Klux Klan outfit, blackface, or this Nazi promotional video, that's when he has to let them go. But otherwise, they were fine on his team. <laughs> I mean, you know, Andrew Gillum, he famously said, I'm not saying Ron DeSantis is a racist. I'm just saying the racists seem to think that he's a racist. Let me play uh, him in his own words. Um, this is uh, Ron DeSantis, who played baseball in college, uh, talking about baseball versus basketball. 
I think that there's kind of a place for everybody on a baseball team if you're willing to work hard, if you're willing to practice, and if you're willing to, to hone your skills. So I, I, I kind of thought it was always a very democratic game, a very merit, meritocratic game, whereas I kind of viewed like, like basketball as like, these guys are just freaks of nature. <laughs> oh, it's no wonder. It's no wonder that he makes stupid statements around slavery being beneficial for enslaved people when that's what he thinks about basketball players, which we know is code for black people, right? Like that, it's, it just oozes through his pores, the racism and the white supremacy. Like yeah. how, 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 how has this man been able to advance so far? <laughs> and I have another question. What will it take to stop him? Thankfully, he's getting in his own way in that regard. Thankfully, he's, he's running his own himself. campaign into the ground. He's stopping himself. I mean, th we found out at first they thought this insane sort of homoerotic, but also homophobic ad. You know, people were like, oh, oh my I wonder gosh. what PAC made that. It turned out it was his campaign. He made, they made the ad for right. him. Um, and now what you're seeing is this exodus because, you know, running for governor, running for president when you're a governor, you're supposed to use your the state of your state as sort of the, you know, this is the tried and true. This is what I can do. Not only all the problems I mentioned earlier, you have conventions now leaving. The Game of Thrones convention is like, peace out. We're not doing it in Florida. Oh. You've had all these other conventions. <laughs> National Association of Black Society of Engineers was like, nope, we're not doing our convention. We're going to go to Atlanta. Now Alpha Phi Alpha um, Fraternity Incorporated has said, peace. We're not coming to Orlando. We ain't coming because of him. How does he run right. for president when he's running conventions out of his state? I mean, it also tracks with the NAACP releasing a full travel warning for black and brown people because the state is so harmful. Look, DeSantis decided in this state legislative session that that's the muscle he wanted to flex. Do as much harm as possible was his motif here. And I think that's what's coming through. And that's what's going to cost him ultimately, because at this point, when you look at the poll numbers, even GOP primary voters are like, oh, what you did down in Florida, we don't actually want you to do that across the country. And so they're backing off from him. And that shines in the national numbers and state level numbers. I mean, he's losing college educated white voters. They're like this too much. They're like, that, you know, that, that's to the six week abortion ban, running all the immigrants out of your state. And then you have farmers right. begging, you know, uh, Latino workers, please don't leave. No, they're leaving, man. They're, they're actually leaving. Um, exactly. At some point, is there someone else who becomes the not Trump? Because I don't see a strong field here? Do you see anyone else there that looks like a prospect? I mean, based on the polls at this moment, and it feels like it was all a dream that DeSantis was even in striking distance of Trump just For three, real. four months ago. But the person he's polling closest to right now at the state level is Senator Tim Scott. He's surging in the polls, just hit double digits in Iowa and New Hampshire. And I feel like that's the person that the GOP voter base is going to turn to next. We'll see, because uh, Sean Trendy, who is there, a Republican-leaning uh, pollster, has said that there's too much racial anger in that party to elect a black candidate. So I, I don't know. I believe when I see it. Uh, Juanita Tolliver, thank you very much. Appreciate you. When we come back, some puzzling and actually saddening news as well from the world of pop music. Stay right there. Before we go tonight, two stories out of the music industry. First up, the tale of Jason Aldean, the MAGA country star who has defended his number one hit song, Try That in a Small Town, by doubling down on his insistence that it has nothing to do with race, despite the music video being shot at the site of an infamous 1920s-era Tennessee lynching and the sundown town imagery, including the lyrics of the song itself, that sound like a warning Black Southerners would have gotten from good old boys in, like, 1953, let alone 2023. Well, it's gotten an interesting twist. 
The company that produced the music video has weirdly edited the video, cutting out six seconds, including the footage depicting Black Lives Matter protests, prompting one to wonder, if it wasn't about Black Lives Matter, why was that footage in there in the first place? And if it was all completely defensible, why cut it out? Curious questions our very own Jahan Jones asks in his latest post on the Readout blog. Do check it out at msnbc.com slash readout blog. Meanwhile, remember this? Irish pop singer and social activist Sinead O'Connor has died. She scored one of the single most iconic and controversial television moments in history when she ripped up a photo of Pope John Paul II during a live performance of the Bob Marley song War on Saturday Night Live in 1992. It was a protest against the Catholic Church, which was accused of covering up decades of sexual abuse of children. O'Connor, whose shaved head and multi-octave range made the Prince-written ballad Nothing Compares to You a huge hit in 1990, was banned from NBC after what she did on SNL. She converted to Islam in 2018, though she wrote in the Washington Post eight years earlier, quote, People assumed I didn't believe in God. That's not the case at all. I'm Catholic by birth and culture and would be the first at the church door if the Vatican offered sincere reconciliation. Sinead O'Connor was just 56 years old. Her death comes just one year after her 17-year-old son, Shane, died of suicide. She is survived by three children, her family, and her friends. And that is tonight's readout. Hey, everyone, it's MSNBC's Chris Hayes. For the first time since 1892, we have an election in which both candidates have presidential records. It's a chance to take a hard look at what Joe Biden and Donald Trump have actually done as president. On a special Why Is This Happening podcast series called With Pod 2024 The Stakes, I'm talking to experts about the two candidates' records on specific policy areas like immigration, taxes, climate, and more. So you know what's at stake come November. Search for Why Is This Happening and follow. 